pull out your message notes. I'm excited about today's message. Uh, the series we're doing is called Fear Not. Um, I'm stuck on this theme of miracles. Uh, I think part of that is because for us, we are walking out a miracle. Uh, a miracle in and of itself, when you're walking it out, is not always fun. <laughs> Can I get an amen? How I many know it's, it's a miracle because you need a miracle? Uh, and, and I thought with the Christmas season, uh, th there's no greater story of a miracle than the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the, I, I wanted to talk about how, how do we make sure that we are in position for the miracle that God wants to do in our lives. See, I believe God wants to do something great in each and every one of your lives. And so we've got to learn to live moment ready. You know, it's kind of our little tagline, moment ready. And what that means is that we're ready to seize the moment, seize the opportunity, seize whatever God brings before us. And a lot of times when God brings something to us, it's impossible to do it by ourselves. That it's going to take a miracle for God to step into our natural to do what he's asked us to do. In fact, I would say if what you're doing is not impossible, it may not be from God. Because God wouldn't give you a plan where he is unnecessary. God's going to give us things to do and uh, allow us to be a part of something that is going to demand a miracle on his behalf so that he is a part of what he's doing in our life. And I want to take a passage from Luke chapter 1. It's part of the Christmas story. It's the story of Mary and uh, the promise of the birth of Jesus. So Luke chapter 1 verse 26 I want to read the entire story, so it's about 12 verses or so, and then I want to share just a few thoughts this morning on it. It says in verse 26, in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of the King David. Verse 28 says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you, confused and disturbed. How many, hey, James, pull me back up just a little. How many have ever had the Lord speak to you and you felt a little confused? You're like, God, are you sure you got the right person? Anybody ever questioned that? God, I ain't even got what, what it takes. And anybody ever been disturbed by when the Lord asked you to do something? Kind of messes up your plans. That's what we see here with Mary. It says uh, she was confused and disturbed. She tried to think of what the angel could mean. He says, look, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, you have found favor with God. Everybody say favor. Favor, favor. You know, I remember we grew up in the charismatic movement, and you, you'd hear uh, favor ain't fair. You know, come on, somebody. You know, uh, you just, so we, we're accustomed to this word favor, but I'm going to show you a little bit later that maybe our idea of favor is not God's idea of favor. See, we look through the lens of time. God looks through the lens of eternity. And so when he says favor, we've got to make sure that we're not expecting something different. And it says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the son of God. Then skipping down to verse 37, it says, for nothing is impossible with God. 
How many know when God's positioning you for a miracle, you need to hear that word? Nothing is impossible with God. And then in verse 38, here's Mary's response to God's assignment. Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. See, God had a plan for Mary's life, but his plan for her life was different than her plan for her life. And I believe just like Mary, God has a plan for each and every one of you here this morning as well. And a lot of times his plan is different than your plan. You're going down the path of life that you have been accustomed to, maybe your dreams, your desires, what your parents told you you should be. But God, I believe in our life, wakes us up to a new plan and a new destination. I love what Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So I need you to know God has hope. He wants to plant you inside of you. God has a future that he has for each and every one of your life. He has a plan for your life. And my desire is that you would fulfill the plan of God for your life, that it would become a reality. However, I think a lot of times that we are afraid to pursue the plan that God has for our lives. God will speak to us. God will lead us in a direction. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves fearful of walking out the plan that God has for us. And I want to talk about that for just a moment. Why are we afraid of God's plans for our life? Why? I think there's a couple of reasons. I think the first one is God's interruptions are often inconvenient. I mean, have you ever noticed that God tends to reveal his plans in the most inconvenient times in our life? I mean, when you look at Mary and we read her story, you realize she was engaged to be married. Now, for all the married people, there was a season of engagement. How many know the engagement before marriage is exciting? Come on, it's fun. I mean, there's lots of planning and dreaming. It's really a celebration of what's about to happen. And if you're married, you know what it's like. You begin to dream about what the future could hold. I mean, in your engagement, Phyllis and I were engaged. We were talking about, are we going to rent an apartment? Are we going to buy a house? Come on, somebody, this big decisions. We're going to do a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom. You know, are we, are we planning on having kids right now or are we going to wait? Come on, somebody. We said we're waiting at least six years. I want five good years, six good years with no babies and no kids. I want to enjoy my wife. And I mean, you begin to talk about, I mean, you know, in the engagement, are, are we both going to work or is just one of us going to work? Are we going to start a company? I mean, what are we going to do? Do we want to live in this city or do we want to move to another city? What happens in the engagement is you begin to dream about what your life could be with this person that you're about to get married to. There's planning that takes place. Well, I need you to know that Mary and Joseph's plans were interrupted. And here's the challenge with him. Look, Mary and Joseph didn't even get to enjoy the honeymoon and here comes little baby Jesus. And there wasn't no, uh-oh, come on, somebody. I mean, how many know the plans were interrupted? God is good at interrupting our plans. And we see this all throughout the Bible. I mean, when you look at the story of Moses, found in Exodus chapter 3, uh, Moses is called by God to deliver his people out of Egypt when he is tending his father-in-law's sheep on the backside of a mountain. 
And by now, Moses has a wife. Moses has a family. Moses has a career. And God calls him on the backside of mountain to go back to the place that he ran from. How many know that wasn't convenient for Moses? And he does it in a burning bush of all things. Come on, somebody. Like he's going to freak him out and then send him on assignments. I mean, look at David. When you look at the life of David, he was a shepherd boy. And he goes and he's out there delivering food to his brother. He is not some great war strategist. He's not a general. He's not even enlisted in the army. He was on an errand for his father. And it was on an errand for his father. God calls him to fight the greatest champion of the enemy. And so you look at life, I, I think what we have to understand is that God loves to interrupt our plans. And when he does, many times it's very inconvenient. Remember Phyllis and I, about nine years ago, we were on staff at another church. And she had a friend that encouraged her to compete in the Miss USA pageant. Her friend, yeah, come on somebody. I, woo! Her friend had competed and told Phil, said, hey, I think you'll do really good at this. You ought to consider it. And uh, Phyllis said, hey, what do you think? I said, well, that's great. Come on. I said, but the only reality is you need to get a good coach. If you're going to do this, you need to find a good coach that will help you be the best so that you can represent God well. So she made an appointment to a, with a lady in Dallas who was well known for being a great coach. In fact, the, the ladies she coached tended to win the pageant. So Phyllis went and had an interview with her and met with her. And the lady said, look, I like you. I'll coach you. She comes back. She's all excited. And I told Phyllis, I said, well, you know what this probably means. We're probably done having kids. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we had had two boys. We'd been trying for a couple of years to have another baby. And it just wasn't happening. And so I said, Phyllis, listen, if we're done, you had better go and uh, get on birth control. You need to go see the doctor. You don't want to be in the pageants. And then all of a sudden, you're pregnant. And lose all the hard work. So she goes to the doctor. She's going to get on birth control. And anybody who's ever gotten birth control, it's a standard practice to give you a pregnancy test. So Phyllis isn't thinking anything of it. She takes the pregnancy test. She's, you know, excited about getting birth control. Doctor walks out with a bag of prenatal vitamins and says, guess what? <laughs> You're pregnant. And of course, we had my wonderful middle daughter, Addison, about nine months later. How many of God totally interrupted our plans? And it wasn't much longer after that we launched this church. I mean, God knew what he was doing, but he, he always seems to interrupt the plans that we have in our life. My thing that I need to tell you is you got to be open to God's timing. Allow God to interrupt your plans. I think the second reason that we're afraid of God's plans is because obedience requires sacrifice. Obedience to God's plans always requires sacrifice. In other words, let me say it like this. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you comfort. It's going to cost you resources. It's going to cost you reputation. It may even cost you your friends. And we see this in Mary's story. But I wonder if we've ever really stopped to see what her obedience actually cost her. See, we know what happens because we've read the end of the story. We know how it all turns out. And I wonder if that's not why sometimes we can read past this story and never really think about how hard it was and the sacrifice she made to obey what the Lord spoke to her in her life. 
I mean, think about it. Mary would give birth to Jesus, the Messiah, miracle. That's what we're celebrating for Christmas. It's not Santa, it's Jesus. So Jesus is born. He lives a sinless life. He dies on a cross. And we know what happens. Three days later, he rises from the dead, raised from the dead. He overcome death, hell, and the grave. And we have salvation and experience victory because of Mary's decision to say yes. So when we look at that, it's like, wow, that's awesome. It's almost through a view of, of nostalgia. It's like, great, that's, that's cool. But if you really think about the obedience and what it cost her and the sacrifice that she had to endure and the pain that she had to walk through in her life, think about this virgin birth, right? I mean, can you imagine the rumors and the gossip? Like this little girl, look, she's not a queen, she's not a princess. Why would God Almighty come to this poor Jewish Galilean girl who is really a nobody to the world and yet God's going to visit you? Really? What? The Holy Spirit? What's, who's the Holy Spirit? He's overshadowing you? Yeah, right, Mary. Mm-hmm. Overshadowed. I, uh-huh. I, I, I've heard about that overshadowing. Mary, I mean, can you imagine the friends that would talk about her? Can you imagine the family that would disown her? Can you imagine the scarlet letter she would have worn her whole life from people that didn't believe God's story? Why? Because they're looking through the lens of time. God's looking through the lens of eternity. I mean, think about the pain she felt when the man that she was engaged to, Joseph, is about to divorce her. She finds out. She's like, Joseph, why are you going to divorce me? All all I did was say yes to God. And Joseph's like, yeah, you said yes, but I doubt it was to God because, look, you can see the results. Can you imagine? Joseph is, he's planning. He's a good man, so he's not going to make it public. He says he was quietly planning how to divorce his wife. It wasn't until God shows up in a dream and tells Joseph, listen, that baby inside, he is the son of God. Mary is what it's, this situation is what it's, she said it was. I mean, just imagine, imagine the fact that her son would be rejected and murdered right in front of her. I mean, God's plan wasn't easy, and yet it was God's plan. And think about what the angel said to Mary. Think about what I told you. It said, for you have found favor with God. Favor with God. Everybody say favor. Favor. I don't know about you, but if I heard an angel tell me, Jim, you're going to have favor, it would almost seem as if everything was going to be easy, right? It would almost seem as if everything was just going to be amazing, like it's going to be the Disney Fairy, fairy tale, you know, this wonderful ending, happily ever after. And, and what I realized is that God's favor doesn't always bring instant success. Favor doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean I'm going to get that parking spot right at the very front because favor ain't fair. Doesn't mean everybody's going to love you. Doesn't mean everybody's going to talk good about you. Doesn't mean your family's going to understand your decision. Doesn't mean life is going to be easy. Doesn't mean you're going to have the white picket fence and the whole nine yards. Favor doesn't mean that you get instant success in life. Remember, God's lens for favor is through the lens of eternity. Divine favor means God's grace and ability to do something which is humanly impossible. Humanly impossible. 
That, that, that means God's going to give you what you need, when you need it. And, and if we don't understand this, I think it's really easy for us to get discouraged whenever we obey God and now we're faced with tough times. We obey God and now we struggle through a situation. We obey God at, at giving and legacy and you got fired and you don't understand. You obey God, you're out there living the right kind of life and now all your friends leave you. They didn't leave you when you were drunk and partying and high, but now you're doing the right thing, you're living the right life, and everybody has turned their back on you. And what happens, I think, sometimes to Christians is you can get mad at God because we've been taught favor means everything good happens. No, favor is God's ability to do something that's impossible. So what's the impossible that God has put on your life? What's the vision God placed inside of you? What's the dream God birthed inside of you? How come God would give you an average dream when he's a supernatural God? You're not going to live a normal life. You're not going to live an average life. There, there is a supernatural God on the inside of you. And what we have to do is we have to allow him to break us out of this paradigm of small thinking and small living. And say, God, I'm willing to step out. I'm willing to live the life you've called me to do. I'm willing to prepare myself to perform the miracles that you've called me to do. What seems impossible to everybody else, God, I know with you all things are possible. But I need you to know that miracles are tough. They take perseverance. It takes facing fear head on. It takes overcoming obstacles. And I know it's hard when you fully commit yourself to the path and the will and the purpose of God. And it seems like all hell has broken loose. I need you to know you're going to make it. You're going to walk through this. The devil's not going to win if you don't stop. You got to keep moving your life forward. And I know sometimes it feels like you were going forward and all of a sudden now your life is going backwards. I remember a time when Phyllis and I lived near Dallas. I was on staff with a large ministry and I traveled all the time. And on this particular weekend, I was flying to California to speak at a conference. And the team and I were driving to DFW International Airport. When we got to the airport, the flight had been canceled. And the lady at the ticket counter, she began to work on the system and she rerouted us a new flight that would actually get us to California. However, the new flight took us to Atlanta to get us to California. So it's very interesting. I had to go backwards so that I could go forwards. And I think that's a good picture of our life. See, we want a one-track, one-stop destination for our life. And you think, God, I'm moving in this direction, and you are. And then God all of a sudden reroutes your life. And you're like, God, I thought I was going there. He said, yeah, but to get there, you got to go there. And I want you to know that it may look like your life's going backwards. It may feel like your life's going backwards. But I need you to know God is moving your life forward. Moving your life forward. I think the third reason that we're afraid of God's plans for our life is that God's plans always require faith. It should always require faith. Look at what the angel says to Mary. It's, you think about this passage, and I've been studying now for a while and been reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it. 
And this verse just keeps popping out. You know, it's like, look, for nothing is impossible with God. And this is something the Lord really spoke to me even in purchasing this building. I asked God this year, I said, God, are we really supposed to advance this project forward? And Jeremiah 32, 27 is the very next scripture I read in my prayer time. And it says, for I am the Lord. Is there anything too hard for me. Well, this is that same passage, for nothing is impossible with God. Now, think about why did the angel tell Mary this? Why would he say, listen, I need you to know nothing's impossible. It's because the plan to give birth to a baby as a virgin was impossible. The plan that God will put you on to the path of your purpose will be impossible. And sometimes what you do is you measure up your resources and God's plans, and we tend to say, no, that can't be God because I'm not qualified, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I don't have enough education, I didn't come from the right family. And God says, look, my super on top of your natural supersedes all of that. I just need you to take steps. God just needs people to say yes. Look at what Mary did. She didn't have to do anything else except say, yes, Lord. Let whatever you have said about me come true. And then you have to stay the course. Begin to take steps. Here's the question for the day. Here's the question that I want you to ask yourself. What is God asking me to do that seems impossible? I'd venture to say this, every one of you will have an answer to this question. Why? Because that's the supernatural life God's called us to live. God wants every one of you stepping forward in faith. And one of the things that I love about this, even like moving forward with this building, is that you get to see every step as a faith walk. You don't always have all the answers. I just need the next answer. I don't have all the path. I just need the next step in the path. And God, I'm going to keep moving forward. And what's interesting is that as you move forward in what God is speaking to you, it's God's responsibility for the outcome and your responsibility for the obedience. And I think a lot of times we don't get to the purpose God has for our life, not because God didn't open a door, but because you didn't take a step. Is we, we allow fear to stop us and say, look, I don't have what I need, so I'm not even going to attempt it. I don't know about you, but I would rather fail trying than fail not trying. And I've learned that even if I fall, I will fall forward. And think about falling forward. When I fail, falling forward, I'm still closer to the destination than I was if I would have stayed still. So what's God asking you to do? Maybe God's asking you to go back to school. You've been in the career for a decade or more. You feel God stirring you to change careers, something that's been on your heart. Your kids are a little bit grown now, so you got a little more time. But you're afraid. You're like, God, I don't know if that's you. Well, why wouldn't it be God? Maybe God's changing the trajectory. Maybe he's rerouting your life to get you to the ultimate destination he created you for. 
Maybe it's to be a stay-at-home mom. You're not sure how it's going to work. You don't have all the finances. You don't know if you can cover the bills with what he makes, but you really feel like the Lord said, I want you to be a stay-at-home mom. Here's what I would say. Why not say, okay, God, let's take a step in faith and see if God's not raising up a champion inside of your home. And he says, look, I want you to raise that child. I don't want someone else to raise him. I want you to raise him to impart your word and to raise him up to be a man that God's called him to be. Maybe it's to start a business. You've been afraid. Maybe you started a business before and it failed. This is what I'd say. Get, get wise counsel. Get good people around you and say, hey, man, let's keep trying and keep trying. Why? Because I feel like this is the word that God gave me to move life forward. Maybe it's to go on the mission field. Look, we got a mission trip coming up in June, one nation, one day. We're going to Los Angeles. How many? 10,000 missionaries. How many is it, Joanna? 10,000 missionaries are going to descend on Los Angeles. How many know if there's ever a place that needs missionaries? It's Los Angeles, California. And you say, I don't know if I can afford it. Well, that's God's job. I love, where's Alexis? I don't know if Alexis Alamia's in here. That girl can raise some money for stuff. She's been on more mission trips. She never lets money stop her because here's what I know. People give provision to vision. Maybe it's giving tithes and offerings. Maybe you've never been faithful. You feel like, God, I'm trying to break this spirit of poverty that's on my life. I mean, when you start tithing, it seems impossible. I, I know what it's like. Listen, you add up all that you make and all that goes out, and it doesn't make sense. That's why it's called a step of faith. I also think that's why God said, this is the one place that you can try me, prove me, test me, see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven. Why? Because he knew some of us needed a promise before we would take a step because it's scary trusting God with your resources. Maybe it's the legacy offering. Maybe you hadn't given yet because it's scary. I want you to know this, God is going to take a step with you and take it for you and it unlocks something supernatural in your life. Maybe it's serving on the dream team. You say, well, God, I don't know if I got time. You're just, you you think it's impossible. I don't know if I can rearrange my schedule and my time. I don't know if I'll have enough energy. Here's what I would say. Take a step forward in faith with God. Remember the angel said, for nothing is impossible with God. And I mean, this is really, I've already said it earlier, it's where we find ourselves as a church as we are taking steps together to purchase this old tractor supply building. Look, faith is fun to talk about after the miracle. I mean, no, but it's hard to live it out when you're walking through the miracle. And I want to encourage you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. See, I think there's a fine line between breakthrough and breakdown. And my responsibility is this. Listen, I don't want you to break down on the way to your breakthrough. And I think fear will try to stop you. I think complacency will try to stop you. And then I think what happens is when we don't make it to the breakthrough, we say, God, you're not real, or God, you let me down. And the truth is we just stop moving forward. So I want to encourage us to move forward. Whatever the Lord speaks to you, I want to encourage you to do it. So here's the question this morning as we get ready to close. What's God asking me to do?
It's really where you personalize the message. See, we're closing out 2019 and we're stepping into 2020. And I love that anyway, the whole, you know, 2020 vision, what God's doing. And, and here's what you got to, I'm asking you and encouraging you to get your heart in position and lined up and ready for this next year. Some of you have been praying and you can sense God stirring. But I'll tell you this, life moves so fast through the holidays. We can get into the first of the year. And then the next thing you know, the older you get, it's just another year. And then another year, and then you get back into the rat race, and here's what I know. God needs us to take time to the side, to listen to him, to hear his voice. See, I believe God's always talking. The question is, are we listening? And I love in January, we're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. In August, we do 21 days of prayer and feasting. Um, So this one, I'm going to give you a heads up. I'm asking you to fast like for real fast. Like fast food. Don't go eat fast food like fast food. <laughs> Someone's like, oh, Pastor, I got I do 21 days of prayer and Chick-fil-A. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 like really fast food. Like a real fast. And I think some of you need to fast media. You need to fast entertainment. You need to fast the things that have been feeding your soul and your flesh. And what we're going to do is we're going to stir up our hearts and our spirits and say, God, we're open to whatever you want to do. It's going to start January 12th. It's going to go to February 1st. And I'm asking you, get in alignment now. Ask, here's, what, here's, here's what you have to understand. And I'm going to close with this. For the church, and, and this is where the ownership has to change and transfer. Like I know you can say, well, pastor, this is your church. No, baby, this ain't my church. It's God's church. And this is your church. I just have the privilege of leading this church. And for the church to reach its full potential, every one of you have to reach your full potential. For the church to experience a miracle, every one of you have to experience a miracle. For us to take the territory back from the enemy to advance God's kingdom, to see lives touched and changed in such a powerful way, this really only happens if every one of us experience the miracle God has for our life. That means your dreams have to be birthed. That means the plans God has for your life, whatever it is, don't allow the enemy to abort it. But say, God, I'm available. I can't do it. It's impossible by myself, but I choose to believe. That's favor, to receive the grace and ability to do what is impossible.